Namaru, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Arau Koroi Hawkins. Coming up first... There is no military base, no any other military facility in the agreement. The Solomon Islands Prime Minister reiterates his stance on having a Chinese military base in his country. We have to look at the violence against women, the gender-based violence indicators. We are not doing you know, well there. Gender issues, ending family violence and supporting women leaders is key themes at the Pacific Islands Forum. And for this election, it's like people have come to accept that it's a no, it's normal practice. That's what's disturbing. Voter frustrations continue to rise in Papua New Guinea as the second week of polling draws to a close. The Solomon Islands Prime Minister Manasseh Songovare says there will be no Chinese military base, facility or institution of any kind established in his country. The Solomon Islands Prime Minister, Manasseh Songovare, says there will be no Chinese military base, facility or institution of any kind established in his country. Mr Songovare has been under the spotlight of regional diplomacy conversations over the past few months after his decision to enter into a security deal with China earlier this year sent alarm bells ringing across the Pacific. In a rare interview with RNZ Pacific ahead of the final leaders' meeting of the Pacific Islands Forum, Mr. Songovare outlined the message he's been reiterating this week to his Pacific counterparts, including the Prime Ministers of Australia and New Zealand. But he began by giving his reaction to the shock withdrawal by Kiribati from the regional body ahead of this week's meetings. First, first, thank you for having me. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but uh, as far as Solomon Islands is concerned, we, we respect, uh, we respect uh, uh, Kiribati's uh, sovereign uh, decision. Uh, that's consistent with how we, uh, we conduct our uh, foreign relations and international affairs. Kiribati is, uh, is Solomon Islands' uh, neighbor, very close neighbor, and uh, we will keep working. Uh, with uh, Kiribati bilateral, and uh, we will also, of course, work uh, with the uh, with the region and uh, allow uh, this diplomacy uh, to uh, take its take its take its course. The relationship that you have with the People's Republic of China, particularly with regards to the security pact, what role do you think the Pacific Islands Forum family should have? in the decision that Solomon Islands make with regards to arrangements with um, China or with other countries for that matter, uh, particularly in the area of security. Mm. Yes, we've uh, exhausted everything we need to say about that, but I think, uh, I, think I will start by, uh, uh, you know, need to reiterate that the, uh, and this is what I've been saying all along, uh, that the signing of the, of the agreement between uh, countries uh, sovereign decisions of, 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 of countries involved. And, uh, uh, however, we also appreciate that uh, Solomon Islands is, uh, is part of the, uh, of the Pacific family. Uh, so we uh, have ensured uh, the agreement does not in any way undermine the uh, security of the region. And that's important to us, very important to us. We are part of the family. And the security of, we are also concerned about the security of each member of the uh, of the Pacific family. 
Uh, I, we have actually dis, uh, dispatched uh, the Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Minister of uh, Minister of uh, uh, Police and National Security. They visited Fiji in uh, in, in May uh, uh, this year uh, and met with the uh, uh, the Pacific Island Forum uh, General uh, Secretary and of course representatives of uh, other Pacific countries and, and partners based in, the, in in Fiji to to clarify Solomon Islands relationship with uh, with uh, uh, with China. And of course the uh, uh, the region. I need to, you know, I can make the point that the security agreement is in, in line with the uh, with the uh, broader definition of, of security in the uh, Boy Declaration, which uh, includes things like climate change, natural disasters, and, uh, and and pandemics. These are issues that are very relevant to us and are current as well. And let me assure you all again, <laughs> uh, there is no military base, nor any other military facility uh, or institutions in the agreement. And I think that's a very important point that we continue to reiterate to our other family uh, in, in, in the region. And I have uh, said it before, and I, and I will say it again, uh, that it is not in Solomon Islands' interest, nor the interest uh, of the region for any military base to be established in any Pacific Island country, let alone uh, Solomon Islands. I think the reason is simple. The reason is very, very simple. The moment we establish, we establish a, a foreign military base, we immediately become an enemy, an enemy. And we also put our country and our, our, our people as targets for potential military strikes. And uh, uh, the Solomon Islands government will never, never allow our country and people uh, to become military targets. Similar security concerns um, were raised. Were raised actually uh, several years ago uh, when uh, China built a, a wharf uh, for for Vanuatu in 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 Santo, and people begin to measure the wharf and so oh, this uh, is this fit for aircraft carrier. Uh, the media also uh, raised uh, uh, similar security issues uh, uh, recently with my uh, uh, Papua New Guinea uh, counterpart in relation to the uh, Kikori EU special economic economic zone. I can understand. I can understand the the rationale for uh, for, for such concerns. However, uh, I, I believe it is now time for our for our friends and partners to also understand what we are saying and, uh, and trust us. It's all about trust and uh, accept our explanations as well and our, our commitment, our commitment to the peace, progress and, uh, uh, and prosperity of our, of our region. Gender issues, family violence and supporting more Pacific women into leadership roles have been key themes at the Pacific Islands Forum. The Fiji government and women's groups have welcomed a $12.6 million boost towards its gender action program by the New Zealand government. Pacific leaders understand the urgent need to improve services and opportunities for women not only in Fiji but the wider Pacific region, especially around ending gender-based violence. RNZ Pacific's Alicia Foon is in Suva. In and around the grand walls of the Pacific Island Forum, leaders have been discussing a host of issues, as well as regional security and climate change. Women's rights and gender-based violence has been made a priority, 
At a breakfast, Talanoa, the Fiji government and women's groups gathered with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern as she pledged more than $12 million to support women in Fiji. Fiji Women's Rights Movement Director Nalini Singh says the funding will go towards supporting women and families within vulnerable communities across Fiji. In terms of the work that we do, well, it's not done yet. You know, if we're talking about indicators, we have to look at the violence against women, the gender-based violence indicators. We are not doing, you know, well there. Um, if you're looking at women in leadership indicators, there's still a lot more to do um, because we need to increase women's representation in all levels not just be looking at parliament, but we need to be looking at you know, other you know, bodies and committees and local level leadership as well. Fiji's Minister for Women, Rosie Akbar, says major cultural shifts must take place to provide more freedom, rights and safety for women. We not only need to inspire them, but we need to provide them with the aspirations as to what is it in for them. And... Uh, I, I think personally that many women are hesitant to step, step up to leadership positions. They have, uh, they have the education background, they have the capabilities, but as a nation we need to recognise more women for the work that they do. Singh says Fiji gets minimal funding from the UN towards gender equality, and this will make a difference. It's also the first time a female minister has represented the Cook Islands at the Pacific Island Forum. Cook Islands Secretary of Foreign Affairs and Immigration, Te Pairu Herman, shed some insights. I come from a country where the role of women in society has always uh, very much been one of, um, I think, a, a proactive involvement, including in leadership role in the running of affairs, whether it be the family unit, whether it be the village, the community, and in recent times, how government operates, and including in the political um, in the political sphere. I think for the Pacific region, each country has their own societal value system and their own way of, of operating. She says Pacific leadership comes in all forms and levels. And for a region that puts primacy on the family unit. The leadership that women bring to family units transcend into village, transcend into our churches, transcend into our communities and transcend upwards. Um, is there more that can be done? I think absolutely. The Pacific region is slowly but surely addressing deeply rooted issues, transforming culture and acknowledging there needs to be more progress made from the family unit to the decision-making table. Voter frustrations continue to rise in Papua New Guinea as we near the end of a second week of polling. Counting is underway for some electorates, with the caretaker Prime Minister the first election result to be declared earlier this week. Don Wiseman asked RNZ Pacific's correspondent in Papua New Guinea, Scott Wyde, for an update on the election, including if there have been any more results declared. Not apart from the Prime Minister's declaration, not any new results yet. Uh, incumbent Deputy Prime Minister's post should be declared anytime soon. That's John Rosso in late. His uh, results are nearing completion. In, in the next two days, two, three days, we should have a result there. Many of the rural districts still have to do polling. Ballot papers are still getting there. Some of the electorates have completed Polling and East Sepik began counting today. In Morobe province, there's one electorate 
Pinchafen, which is still polling, and the delay was due to a dispute over which electoral roll to use, whether it was the 2017 one or the 2022 one. So there was a dispute there because uh, candidates wanted to use the 2017 roll instead of the, the, the latest one that was done. So a decision's been made for uh, the 2022 roll to be used, and that's why polling has gone ahead for that electorate. There's been a lot of talk about violence throughout this election. The most recent thing that we have heard is of someone killed in Port Moresby. Yes, that that was an unfortunate, really, really unfortunate incident. I mean, the handling of that particular dispute, it didn't go down well with a lot of people. Uh, And one person, a young woman, got shot uh, accidentally by police. So that's also triggered a lot of feeling of dissatisfaction and anger amongst voters. A a lot of them are quite angry that it's come to this stage. But it's not just in Port Moresby, the latest one that uh, has bothered people. I mean, in Enger, where uh, a few people have died and ballot boxes were hijacked, that's also been of, of concern. The level of violence and the number of incidents that we've counted in terms of uh, ballot boxes or attempted hijack of ballot boxes. The worst I've seen in in over 20 years. In in previous elections, it was like one-off incident that you record and then people deal with it. But for this election, it's like people have come to accept that it's it's normal practice. That's what's disturbing. And the incumbent member for Vanimo Green, Bilgit Nama, has also raised this concern, his quite concerned and they called basically called on voters and politicians and candidates to refrain from the violence. It is very disturbing for us. How much of the violence can be attributed to the politicians or is it just people acting up because there's a lot else going on? There's a collection of factors that cause this violence. I mean in, in the Highlands it's sometimes it's inter clan rivalry that has been seething for so long and then surfaces during uh, election time. Sometimes it's uh, instigated by the candidates who are trying to get rid of their main rival, who is the sitting MP. And the amount, as as we discussed previously, the the amount of misinformation and disinformation that's happening on social media is just mind-blowing, the the scale of it. People have become so familiar with the use of social media, they know its power. We we haven't reached that stage where, you know, the scale that is seen in Indian elections, but you can already tell the trajectory of the developments. Some people must have a fear about what sort of government might potentially emerge from all of this violence. Yes, there's there's a lot of concern about how much of a representation people will actually have, will really have when this, this government that's going to be put in place in the next few weeks, how representative is it going to be of Papua New Guinea? And so there's there's this question that's uh, in the minds of a lot of people and a lot of people that I've spoken to feel that uh, in some electorates, yes, the people have voted for their leaders. In some electorates, no, it's inflated figures. So, yeah, it's a big, big concern for us. Now, on this question of representation, how are the women getting on? 142 candidates. How are they going? You know, they've presented, women have presented a very strong, very articulate front in this election. And they've 
worked together, presented a united front, confronted the issues that have plagued the Electoral Commission. Say, for example, in uh, in Port Moresby, you had candidates like Tania Bale and Sylvia Pascoe who banded together and questioned the Electoral Commission on their conduct, and that forced uh, the Electoral Commission to rethink how it was doing business. And the polling was delayed because of those protests, but then we had a far more transparent process because of that a very strong front put up by women. And preliminary figures so far, have we got any, any indication of how those women are going? Not too well. Some are in the top five, which is really, really encouraging. I haven't checked other electorates, but in Morobe, uh, Jennifer Byng is in the top five or was in the top five as of last count I saw. In Port Moresby, not too well for Sylvia Pascoe and Tanya, but Again, it's given this hope for young women in Papua New Guinea that this is the path that we are going to take. It's going to be difficult, but we have to participate in this democratic process. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Korabwa for tuning in and Sapo until next time.